Welcome to episode 279 of the Truth Quest podcast. The truth about the boy who cried wolf, the green energy boondoggle. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, share episodes with your friends, and support the podcast by shopping at truthquestshirtfactory.com, where we produce shirts with thought-provoking statements inspired by various podcast episodes. The ideas for many of the TruthQuest episodes comes from trends I notice in the news. Today's episode is similarly inspired. I certainly have not shied away from the topic of global warming, global cooling, climate change, and the green energy agenda, as evidenced by one of my very first episodes, Episode 7, The Truth About Climate Change, and more recently, Episode 208, The Truth About the Climate Change Agenda, and Episode 215, The Truth About Fossil Fuels. Now, what I'm seeing in the news, often on mainstream sources, are more and more reports about the crumbling of the globalist vision as a fossil fuel-free world. Despite the leftist move to wind and solar energy, despite their calls for mankind to eat less meat, despite the Biden administration's call for a full transition to electric vehicles, the agenda is indeed crumbling. It is indeed being exposed to larger audiences as the fraud and boondoggle that it is, where only the rich and powerful can afford to travel or heat and cool their homes, while the rest of us wait for our assigned day to charge our $100,000 electric vehicle while we feast on bugs. I think it's important for all of us to look at this from a historical perspective. It's important to understand that this faux hysteria has been ongoing for almost 100 years at this point. Mark Hendrickson sums the issue up nicely. Quote, the climate change dogma is roughly this. The concentration of carbon dioxide in Earth's atmosphere has increased marketably over the past century. True. Human activities have contributed to that increase. True. Earth has warmed by more than a degree since escaping the harsh little ice age in the 19th century. Almost true, thank goodness. Temperatures will continue to rise to dangerous, catastrophe-inducing levels, unproven, unknowable, and unlikely, unless human society is radically transformed by drastically curbing the human use of fossil fuels, a power-seeking agenda that will inflict widespread impoverishment and suffering on billions of human beings. End quote. Patrick Moore, co-founder of Greenpeace, summed up the hysteria by pointing out the obvious, that climate change message has repeatedly changed. First it was global cooling, then it was global warming, then climate change. Now it's disastrous weather, extreme weather. Headline, climate scientists' credibility hurt. As climate experts warn of looming catastrophe, faulty past forecasts hurt their message. Here's a quick chronology of the environmental madness as compiled by the Epoch Times. 1939, glaciers are collapsing. 1940s, rising sea levels. 1950s, polar ice caps will melt. 1960s, mass starvation predicted. Paul Erlach came up with a satanic proposal to sterilize people in the U.S. to stun population growth. Throughout the decade of the 1970s, we had repeated claims of a forthcoming new ice age, warnings of food and water rationing. That is, until 1979, when the New York Times reported this, quote, There is a real possibility that some people now, in their infancy, will live to a time when the ice at the North Pole will have melted, a change that would cause swift and perhaps catastrophic changes in the climate. 
1982, the UN comes out and says if the world doesn't change course, it will face, quote, an environmental catastrophe which will witness devastation as complete and irreversible as any nuclear holocaust by the year 2000. 1988, the small island nation of Maldives was threatened to be completely covered by, quote, a gradual rise in average sea level in 30 years. That according to the French press. 1989, entire nations will be underwater due to rising sea levels, warnings of coastal flooding, crop failures, mass eco-refugees, and global chaos. The year 2000, snow is a thing of the past. 2001, climate change will decimate the maple syrup industry in New England. 2004, by 2020, major European cities will sink into the ocean. 2006, good old Al Gore warned that greenhouse gases will kill us within 10 years. 2007 through 2009, focus shifted to the ice-free Arctic, all within a few years if nothing is done. 2012, no more snow in Australia in the future. 2013, back to, quote, ice-free Arctic within two years. 2014, no more snow in the western U.S. 2017, after then-President Trump pulled the United States out of the UN Paris Climate Agreement, physicist Stephen Hawking, most recently linked to the Epstein Island, according to the BBC, he said, quote, We are close to the tipping point where global warming becomes irreversible. Trump's action could push the Earth over the brink to become like Venus with temperatures of 250 degrees Celsius and raining sulfuric acid. 2018, according to Forbes, James Anderson, a Harvard University professor of atmospheric chemistry, said, quote, the chance that there will be any permanent ice left in the Arctic by 2022 is essentially zero. 2020, rinse, repeat, no snow in Australia in the future. 2021, no snow in California in the future. 2023, Arctic ice, irreversible thinning. Do you remember the children's book, The Boy Who Cried Wolf? That's what we're dealing with here. These fools have cried wolf for decades. Melting ice caps, mass starvation, rising global temperatures, rising sea levels, polar bear extinction, no more snow. Unfortunately for the climate change cultists, it's gotten to the point that when you look at public interest polls, the environment often struggles to be in the top 10 list of concerns. But these people have no shame. They are mentally ill at worst, totalitarians at best, and most likely both. The more things change, the more things stay the same. Speaking of mentally ill totalitarians, after all these years, Al Gore is still at it. He's still pounding the table like a petulant three-year-old on his little fantasy of man-made global warming. At the most recent global climate change conference, where the rich and famous fly in on their private jets, jump into their SUV motorcades to be taken to five-star accommodations, where they lecture the world about lowering their standard of living and their carbon footprint, Al Gore essentially gave the same speech he's been given for, what, 30 years at this point? You know, humanity has only a few years to act before the world may irreversibly plunge into an environmental catastrophe of global proportions. He offers no science to back up his claims, and he has no scientists there to back up his claims with peer-reviewed studies. He just preaches to the bubble-living globalist eco-chamber who knowingly nod their heads while sipping on their thousand-dollar bottles of champagne. Mark Hendrickson sums up the lunacy this way, quote, The charge towards renewables is irrational. It's the fanaticism of a quasi-religious cult. He also said, They are a cult 
fanatically pushing a rigid dogma. Despite the crumbling narrative, we are still subjected to the usual fear-mongering and scare-mongering. Everything is caused by climate change. CNN recently claimed, quote, climate change is fueling extremism. BBC said, quote, a shifting climate is catalyzing infectious disease. U.S. News and World Report said climate change will harm children's mental health. Hey, if you don't have a crisis, you need to create one. And as Rahm Emanuel once said, you never let a crisis go to waste. For the rest of the episode, I want to document the crumbling green energy narrative, all ripped from recent headlines. This crumbling narrative can be discredited almost single-handedly by pointing out what they don't tell you, the so-called inconvenient or unspoken truths. The cultists have been telling us for years that the science is settled, and the Al Gores of the world want any dissent, any disinformation, or information that challenges the approved narrative to be censored. The reason censorship is necessary is because, say it with me, their agenda is crumbling and they cannot win an argument on the merits in a real debate. Of course, the science is far from settled. The only reason they get away with saying shit like that is the alphabet soup conspiracy media refuses to present the other side. They never present the studies that counter the climate change cult orthodoxy. To quote Patrick Moore, that Greenpeace dude again, quote, The whole thing is a total scam. There is actually no scientific evidence that CO2 is responsible for climate change over the eons. So what don't they tell you? In the midst of the climate hysteria, have you ever heard about the positive effects of climate change? What the hell? There are no positive effects of climate change. I thought it was a catastrophe. It's going to destroy the planet. Sorry to bust that bubble, but it is indeed a real thing. It's called global greening. Relying solely on something you learned in your fifth grade science class, increased carbon dioxide in the air does what? Bingo! It promotes plant growth. That's right. That's a good thing. So maybe we should embrace higher CO2 levels. More from Patrick Moore, who said, quote, They're saying all the tornadoes, all the hurricanes, all the floods, and all the heat waves are all caused by CO2. That is a lie. We're part of the cycle. We don't need CO2. For us, it's a waste product. We need oxygen. But plants are the ones who made the oxygen for us, and we're making the CO2 back for them. End quote. He said the burning of fossil fuels which emit CO2 is a good thing for plant life. Quote, we are replenishing the atmosphere with CO2 up to a level that is much more conducive to life and growth of plants in particular. Have you ever been presented with studies like the one published in Statistics Norway by a statistician and civil engineer, again with names I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce, who concluded, quote, the effect of man-made CO2 emissions does not appear strong enough to cause systematic changes in the temperature fluctuations during the last 200 years. Question, do these people ever connect the dots or look at the likely consequences of their policies? Answer, hell no. Net zero or zero emissions equals death, both figuratively and economically. I will examine the figurative part next, but I just want to touch on the economic piece real quick. Question. How is the United States or any Western country supposed to compete economically with India or China who are building new coal-fired plants, basically one per week? Answer. We aren't. The green energy agenda is a suicide pact, economically speaking. When these mentally challenged save-the-planet types bemoan the forthcoming mass destruction of the warming planet, 
Do they ever mention the fact that cold weather is responsible for approximately 90% of the over 5 million annual excess deaths attributed to temperature? Do these mental midgets remind you of the 200 plus deaths in Texas, what was it, two winters ago, when their electric grid went down in the middle of a record cold spell? Global warming my ass. Turns out Texas, of all places, was way ahead of the curve of replacing their fossil fuel generated electricity capacity with renewables. And guess what happened during the record cold spell? Well, number one, the sun wasn't out, so there was little, if any, solar generated electricity. And two, the effing windmill blades froze up and over 200 people died because they did not have enough reliable and dependable fossil fuel generated capacity in reserve to make up the difference. All of this leads critical thinkers to ask the question, if the cold causes nine times more death than heat, wouldn't fewer people die if global temperatures were warmer? Do these morons ever point out how many people worldwide have been saved from cold exposure due to plentiful, reliable fossil fuels? All of this leads one to believe that the psychopaths that push the green energy agenda don't really care about people dying. It's simply the cost of doing business. The politicians that push the agenda only care about power and control and paying off their green energy donors, and the useful idiots who support the agenda need something to worship. And since Big G God ain't in their wheelhouse, might as well worship politicians or the planet. Remember how the climate change cultists ran story after story last summer that it was the hottest summer ever on record? What these power-hungry lunatics failed to disclose was, number one, according to the unconstitutional National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration data, 2023 was the 15th hottest since 1910 in mean temperatures and the 22nd hottest for maximum temperatures. And two, it was not triggered by CO2, but by a significant increase in solar radiation and or by the 2012 eruption of a volcano called Tongo Hungo that caused a 10% increase in water vapor in the atmosphere. Oh, and they also don't tell you where the temperature measurements come from. See, they place their thermometers in urban heat islands. You know, concrete and asphalt dominated areas. Readings from rural stations tell a completely different story. If they were trying to tell the true story of global temperatures, they would explain this. But they're not interested in the truth. They are interested in advancing a narrative. That's what they report on. Remember, the fanatics are never reporting a story to you. They are telling you, they are preaching to you the story, their preferred narrative. Do the cultists lay out the advantages of fossil fuels over wind and solar? You know, it's more reliable given its energy generation is independent of things like the sun and the wind, which are intermittent. They certainly don't present you with the moral case for fossil fuels as I did in episode 215. And here is likely the biggest lie by omission by these members of the doomsday cult. While they advocate for an end to America and the West use of fossil fuels, China and India are opening hundreds of new coal-fired power plants every year. That fact alone kills the green energy agenda because even as John Kerry has stated in the past, even if the United States went to zero carbon emissions, it would have no impact on the level of emissions emitted worldwide. Do the green energy evangelists ever talk about the waste products from renewables? California-based Environmental Progress stated recently, quote, if solar and wind produce the same amount of electricity over the next 25 years that nuclear produced in 2016, and the wastes are stacked on football fields, 
the nuclear waste would reach the height of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The wind and solar waste would reach the height of two Mount Everest. The hazardous pollution caused by the disposal of solar panels and EV batteries is at the very least inconvenient and must not be discussed because then the true hypocrisy of these environmental worshipping morons would be on full display. If they don't tell you about the pollution caused by their precious earth-saving green energy products, they sure as hell aren't going to tell you that child slave labor is alive and well today in Africa due in large part to the maniacal pursuit of green energy. Fabricating wind, solar, and battery hardware entails a radical increase in the use of a range of minerals from copper and nickel to aluminum and graphite and other rare earth minerals. Children are used to mine cobalt by hand in order to produce the 60 pounds of it needed for every single EV battery. If these so-called environmentalists had a soul or actual principles by which they lived their lives, they would be protesting the mining of lithium and graphite, of which EV batteries require 30 and 130 pounds respectively. Not to mention the roughly 500 pounds of steel, aluminum, magnesium, plastic, and other materials. If these dullards have a soft spot for China, then they are pushing the right agenda. China produces 40% of the world's raw lithium, carrying an 80% market share. They produce 60% of the world's aluminum, refines over half of the world's copper, 90% of rare earths, 80% of graphite, and between 50 and 90% of specialty chemicals and polymer parts used to build lithium batteries. They already produce the majority of our medicines and antibiotics today. And now this? Does anyone else find it strange or at least hypocritical or unethical that the people who pray to the church of holy climate change, whose supposed goal is zero carbon emissions, never endorse nuclear power generation? I mean, it generates no carbon emissions. So by definition, shouldn't these wackos be the biggest champions of nuclear power? Instead, we're seeing the closure of reactors as they roll offline, and we're seeing the levels of production of electricity by nuclear power going down year over year. The crumbling of the green energy narrative is further exemplified by moves by France and Britain to start to build more nuclear power plants after their experimentation in renewables failed miserably. Before we leave this topic of nuclear power, one of the bright spots in the electricity generation technology that you should pay attention to in the future is something called small modular reactors. These are small nuclear fission reactors designed to be built in remote areas with limited grid capacity or in factories or other industrial applications, and they're obviously used for power generation. Another thing these agitators leave out is how expensive electric vehicle ownership is. Headline. Major study reveals alarming true cost of owning an EV. Fueling exceeds $17 per gallon. The study from the Texas Public Policy Foundation found that the average 2021 electric vehicle would cost $48,698 more to own over a 10-year period without the $22 billion in government favors given to EV manufacturers and owners. Another headline. Report. Electric vehicles have 80% more problems than gas-powered cars. This survey from Consumer Reports asked owners of over 330,000 vehicles about issues they faced over the last year. It found that EVs have almost 80% more problems than gas-powered cars using traditional combustion engines. 
Most problems consumers face with EVs, the report suggests, are long charging times or the lack of charging stations in general, issues with the lithium-ion battery, outer and interior parts not fitting precisely, and engine failures. And the final thing I want to point out that these crusaders never mention is the lack of battery technology to capture backup electricity for use when the wind ain't blowing and the sun's not glowing. We are in a use it or lose it situation with these renewables. In other words, when renewables are unavailable, the grid will be empty, like the situation in Texas that we discussed earlier. That is, of course, unless you supplement it with fossil fuel generated substitutes, which these brain dead crusaders are, of course, opposed to. Here's the truth. One day's worth of global backup generation using Elon Musk's mega pack batteries would cost $190 trillion. That's two times the global GDP. This demonstrates again why the green energy narrative is crumbling. These activists are supporting a suicidal pack. Few stories demonstrate the crumbling green energy narratives more than this one. Headline, thousands of car dealerships stand up to Biden's electric vehicle mandates. A group of almost 4,000 auto dealers representing all major vehicle manufacturing brands spanning 50 states sent a letter to President Joe Biden demanding that he stop his administration's proposed crackdown on gas vehicles. May I please make a point that I make over and over again here, but I never hear it made anywhere else? Where in the hell does the federal government derive the power to dictate the types of vehicles we drive or that can be sold or the type of fuel we use to power those vehicles or the manner in which we generate electricity? It sure as hell isn't derived from the United States Constitution, given the fact that the people who wrote it were riding horses and burning wood to stay warm. So why do we just go along with all of these unconstitutional dictates from D.C.? I just don't understand. Do you guys remember the Solyndra boondoggle? That was during the Obama years, you know, the scandal-free Obama years. I believe Solyndra was a solar panel maker or some other green energy bullshit. It received a shit ton of federal dollars and eventually went bankrupt. And of course, company leaders were supporters of Obama. Just another case of crony capitalism. The Fed's using other people's money, or better put, the Fed printing money to pay off their constituents and push their agenda. The entire green energy agenda would crumble without government subsidies. I mean, I just saw a report on the local news last night that the state of North Carolina just secured a grant of $100 million for school systems to buy electric school buses as part of some bullshit school bus electrification program from the unconstitutional Department of Energy. Now, do you think North Carolina or any other state other than California would replace their perfectly good diesel-run school buses with overpriced and burdensome electric buses without the subsidies from the feds? Hell no. If a product is not profitable enough on its own, or if private companies are not willing to take the risk to create a product that might not be acceptable to the market, then the product should not be pursued. Now, I can hear some of you thinking, well, sometimes government needs to get involved to fund important initiatives that the private sector is unwilling. To which I would ask, who defines important initiatives? And I would also state the obvious. The United States is bankrupt. Our national debt just exceeded $34 trillion. Last fiscal year's deficit was over $2 trillion. Just to give you a sense of the asininity of these government subsidies, did you know that it is projected that the average subsidy for each green job created is over $2 million per year. 
Since the turn of the century, we've seen over $5 trillion of global spending on green energy. Those two decades of spending has led to solar and wind combined supplying just 4% of world energy. For context, wood burning still supplies 10%. Oil, gas, and coal today supply 82%. If policymakers are determined to further reduce U.S. carbon dioxide emissions, which is stupid and unfounded, but there are some sensible options that they could pursue, such as they could stop vilifying fracking and natural gas and stop vigorously opposing the expansion of the U.S. exports of liquid natural gas. That would yield far greater emissions reductions per dollar spent since it would facilitate other nations now planning to burn more coal to instead import liquid natural gas. It would also benefit domestic industries, and of course, there would be balance of trade benefits. Did you know that the U.S. already saw a 1 gigaton per year reduction in emissions over the last decade? That happened because of domestic shale revolution that collapsed the price of natural gas, making it cheaper than coal. And guess what? It burns cleaner than coal. It's almost like these people aren't looking for a real solution to this faux problem. Just behaving like run-of-the-mill totalitarians who want to run the lives of everyone else. So what's their plan? Well, I hate to tell you folks, but they don't have a plan other than to dictate lifestyle terms to you. They want to eliminate the least expensive, most plentiful method of energy and wish upon a star that we won't freeze in the winter and we'll be able to charge and drive our overpriced EVs to work once a week. They want to eliminate the perfectly good combustion engine. They want to cut fossil fuel usage for the generation of electricity and replace it with unreliable, weather-dependent methods which will yield less energy, while at the same time forcing EVs down our throats even though they have no plan to upfit the electric grid to accommodate the charging of millions of new electric vehicles, and despite the fact that electric vehicles are too expensive for most consumers, especially to low income, to purchase, not to mention the exorbitant maintenance costs, and despite the environmental hazards associated with the disposal of the batteries. It's almost like they are purposely marching us towards a day where electricity will be rationed, and guess who will determine who and when you get your ration? them. This is insanity. We've seen this before, folks. Socialized medicine schemes always lead to rationing. Ask anyone who gets health care from any government-sponsored program, the VA, Medicaid, Medicare. Remember Obama telling a woman at a town hall when he was selling Obamacare that her 90-year-old mother with a chronic problem would likely be denied necessary surgery because under socialized medicine schemes, care is rationed and old people are expendable. He told the woman something like, your mother would be given a pill and kept comfortable. The green energy agenda is disingenuous, immoral, dangerous to the health of human beings and the economy. It is the opposite of the Judeo-Christian values that has dominated this country for almost 250 years. These people have cried wolf for close to 100 years. It's time to let them be eaten. And that's the truth about the boy who cried wolf, the green energy boondoggle. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, share episodes with your friends, and support the podcast by shopping at truthquestshirtfactory.com. 